from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. They say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. (laughs) Where is that going? Did you know that? I did know that, yes. Well, I'm imitating you today. (laughs) Well, you weren't 30 minutes late. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm recording football as we speak. Oh, you're going to love it. I'm not going to be able to handle it. I'm I'm just going to have to... We're going to do a two-hour show, so you have to watch it and not catch up. Here's what you're going to have to do. Is you're gonna have to take my phone, box it up, <laughs> put it on my address, and, and FedEx it to me because I'm not gonna be. It takes me about 20 minutes to get home from the studio. It's I can't make it. I, I had can't. a friend who called me earlier today, and I, I think I silenced the call like within two seconds, and he texted me laughing, saying, "I forgot it's Sunday." <laughs> um, so that's that's the thing. The people are used to being able to text you with it live. That's the problem. Now they're gonna be expecting well, you to respond, and they can't. Well, they're playing a night game, and I don't want to not see it. I don't want to miss the beginning of it. Hopefully, it'll be a good game, but I, I'm, I'm going to look at my phone to see what... I mean, basically... <laughs> it's worth watching or just fast-forwarding to the live. No, I just want to know, and then I'll... No matter what, if I find out where it's at, I'll just watch it live. Right. I won't watch any recorded stuff where I know the outcome. Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. See, I'll every once in a while text somebody and say, was that game worth watching or where should I start the game? And Ugh. they can tell me. And then that's because I don't want if I know it's 38 to three, I don't want to waste two hours watching that. But you're going to be like in the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, probably. Not if we can hurry up. Can you talk a little faster <laughs> and get here earlier? <laughs> I did that on purpose. I wanted Good you to, to get used to my lifestyle. Oh, uh, yeah. This recording stuff is for the birds, man. I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it. So anyway, and if they're losing too bad, then I just, I won't even go home. I'll go straight to the bar and start drinking (laughs) and then they'll have a comeback like they always do. And then who knows? Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so I'm, uh, we got a lot of tennis to talk about this week. Uh, Well, football does come first no matter what. That's right. Honestly. Right. Um, what did we talk a little golf last week? A little, we did tiger versus Phil and, and we had a crazy boxing match. last night. I didn't even know about till the day of, and then everybody acted like it was the most important fight of the world and i had what never heard this, of either guy um, boxing you're referring that's to. what i thought i was like who are these people and why is this a big deal was it some boxer fighting a wild bear i don't understand <laughs> what they're are they still doing that boxing thing it was the first heavyweight fight on pay-per-view since 2002 what which i was like as i was trying to think of like one that was more recent than that and i couldn't they're all just free on right. PBS now. <laughs> wow. Accepting donations for the fighters. They on come PBS. on with a phone bank. <laughs> um, no, that reminds me of Jerry Lewis. It's sad. I used to I used to watch that telethon every year. So give me do you know who the two boxers were? Don't say it. I do, yeah. Well, I do now. I, I, no, no, no. Yeah, you didn't know that. I had never heard of, of either of them haven't. before the week of the fight. All right, give me a name either of one of the boxers or somebody not one of the boxers and see if I can guess whether it is a boxer or a fake name. <laughs> um, all right. Fake it like you're thinking about it so I don't know if you're giving right. me the real one or not. Um, 
Yes, I'm going to say... Clubber Lang. <laughs> uh, very nice. Pain. I'm going to say Adams, because that sounds like a boxer. But you didn't give me a first name, so that's not a real name. Oh, I thought you just wanted me to give you the last name. Well, no. So I don't even know their first name. That one's fake, so... <laughs> that is fake. All right, give me who they are. Who are they? Fury and Wilder. I don't know that. Wait, last. what? Tyson Fury, I think, was one of them. Tyson? Mike Tyson Fury? <laughs> when is I he... first saw Tyson, I was like, oh, man, I missed a big... I didn't... How did I not hear about this? And That's so Tyson weird. was the first name. So he's real. So this and is then, real. And Gene Wilder's grandson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it? It could be. <laughs> I'd that, watch that. That would be great. Deontay Wilder. Probably not Gene Wilder's uh, offspring. No. Uh, so who won? It was a draw. Whoa. It's hard to believe that boxing would end in a controversial uh, outcome. So it was, it was a draw. You mean nobody won? Right. Wow. They just can't have a legitimate result in boxing, and they think that... That's worse than soccer. But it's like you said about tie breaks. They think that builds excitement for the next fight, where it really just drives people away from the sport even more. I was going to say, nobody was there. Well, listen, I'd like to see the numbers. Um I mean, they had to bring in a fake guy with a name like Wilder and a guy with a name Fury, like Fury. Exactly. It's not real. It's wrestling except punching in the face. Well, it's not. No, I, I mean, I agree with you that it would seem like it's not real based on judges' results. Obviously, if there's a knockout, they can't control that. But I feel like it's predetermined that if it goes 12 rounds, we're going to make it a draw. Because well, we got to have another fight. You know, I often compare, you know, tennis when people, oh, why do you like tennis? I compare it to, are used to compare it to boxing because, you know, we're one-on-one sports. Right. Individual, you know. Um, now nobody knows what that is. Well, I would say that it's, it's you know, it's better than boxing because it's one-on-one, but you don't get punched in the face for <laughs> making a mistake. Right. Um, but yeah, I, so few people care about boxing. I know. That I've ever, I, it used to be when I... I was in high school in the late 80s, early 90s. It was like the heyday. From like 84 to 96, I was in high school. and <laughs> um, <laughs> That explains so much. Exactly. <laughs> Big high school. Uh, and so, but anyway, and you know, that was the, the, the middle of the Tyson era. That was the, the peak of the Tyson right. era. And the end of even like... Foreman and well, Foreman came came and left and came back, but yeah, I mean he's still fighting. So, <laughs> but the end of some of those great, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard and that kind of thing too. But just but the heavyweights back then, because that's what everybody wants to right. see anyway, right? And which is very analogous to the men's tennis versus women's tennis thing, by the way, because you can't tell me some of these lower level weight class people aren't more skilled than the heavyweights. Right. But everybody wants to see the heavyweights because if one of those little little peewee guys gets in the ring with a heavyweight, the peewee guy is going to get murdered. That was the only reason murdered. anyone talked about this fight was because it was heavyweights because it was two right. guys you hadn't heard of, and it was but it was heavyweight championship, so that's why it was a big deal. Yeah, but they were both one of them was like forty something and oh, I'm looking at here. That's what I mean. And how could somebody be that good and never heard of them because nobody cares about boxing? I was wondering why. The grocery store was all out of tomato cans because <laughs> these guys have been fighting them all <laughs> like Rocky one and two. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good one. I thought yeah, that was I liked it. Tomato cans. Uh-huh. I don't know if anybody gets that I reference anymore, though. See, yeah, exactly. But no, you're I used to remember we would watch fights every like month. The, the big fights we would go, you know, to people's houses and watch them. And it was like a big deal. And I think I've bought one fight as an adult, which I regret because it was Mayweather Pacquiao, which was a big waste. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't buy Mayweather McGregor. 
but that's really the only two fights people even think about for the last 10 years. Well, I mean, here's the bottom line. If it makes money, then they'll just keep that sideshow going. But, it, it, you know, and here's the downside. People that like boxing probably are better at boxing than me. So <laughs> the fact that I'm disparaging their sport may not end well for me. Uh, how about this? Because we always compare tennis to football, and it's nice. Imagine if we had a boxing podcast, how difficult that would be. <laughs> so <their laughs> tennis is better than some sports. Yay! Don't let us say that we're always the worst, because there's a lot of sports that we could be talking about that'd be worse. Well, and, and we are talking <laughs> about it, which shows you it's, it's definitely winter. Right. Winter is here. Even in Dallas, it's been winter. Kind of. Well, yeah, yesterday was 75. Right. Um, yeah, 50. Three is winner for us. Right. So, yeah, so that uh, that happened, man. Boxing actually happened, and people theoretically paid for it. <laughs> so I'd like to see the numbers. I'd like to see how well it did. Well, and the club that I work, and I, so I kind of have a skewed view of boxing, too, because the club I work at here has the trainer of the year in the world who trains the welterweight champion of the world. At your place? Uh-huh, sometimes, yeah. I mean, in he has tennis? A pri- <laughs> he has a private gym, too, but it makes me think that boxing is more you know exciting or more prevalent than it is because i see it a lot you have basically you have the phil knight or the bill belichick of right. boxing at your club yeah. so of course you think it's exciting and because and and what cra- what makes me crazy is that he gets no recognition whatsoever at this club nor should he <laughs> But I mean to be number one in the world at anything yeah but if you were number one in the world at checkers who cares? That's true. Who cares? But you can't sell checkers lessons. You can sell boxing lessons just from the workout aspect. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Zumba. Yep. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. If you had the number one Pilates instructor in the world, it'd probably be built all over the billboards all over Dallas. Yeah. Or yoga, but. So boxing, um, we're ahead of boxing in America. That's something. That's something. Well, and what I've always hated about boxing is that every big fight's on pay-per-view. Imagine if the, every Grand Slam final was on pay-per-view. I mean, the, the viewing audience would be cut to 10% of what it is now, at best. I've just never understood that philosophy. That's Because they're squeezing the last bit of money because it's an individual sport, and there's so many different interests. Well, and I figured out the reason they do it is because they, they can't sell ads because they don't know how long the fight's going to be. So you can't say a million dollars for every ad between rounds and then the fight ends after two rounds. Right. And you got to give all that money. Whereas back. you get pay-per-view, it's guaranteed you're getting that money no matter how long the fight is. Well, if, I mean, if, if tennis, if tennis was governed by a whole bunch of different bodies that, you know, had competing different interests, we might not be as popular. Oh, wait, we are. <laughs> I was about to say. Hold on yeah, that's. I mean, that's so one thing. There are more similarities that you think. Well, that's one of the big things I remember talking about back in the day. It was like you know the unified title. Like if you were the WBC, WBO, the ABC, so many, CD, they can't even FDF, say that. <laughs> you know, and, and tennis is very similar. Now there's less bodies, but when you think about it, there's kind of not because you have every tournament is essentially its own body. Yeah, you have like four different grand slam champions every year or could have well no but yeah but that's one alphabet itf runs that and the runs the davis cup (laughs) not for long uh (laughs) as it goes out of business um but uh but you know then you have the atp wta no because they're not the same sport (laughs) but i understand what you're saying (laughs) 
Well, USDA, obviously, even so, though they do both. Well, you have the USDA. You, well, you have all the individual um, bodies throughout federations throughout the country, you know, all the different countries right. that have a say. But really, the problem is the ATP is really the problem. If I was a conspiracy theorist or whatever, I would try to get the ITF to become the FIFA of the world. So FIFA is the Federation of International Federations of Football Association of America. <laughs> no, I don't know what FIFA stands for. I don't know for. either. It's something soccer related. Football Association's got to be the last two words, I would assume. Maybe. Maybe. But anyway, and I think international is in there. There you go. I don't uh, know what the first word is then. So here, all right, FIFA.com, <laughs> the official site of the international governing body of football, not American football, thank you very much. Um, so, oh, here it is. It's the Federation Internationale de Football Association. There you go. That's redundant. Right, it is. <laughs> you can't have association and federation. <laughs> what, what, does that, what does that mean? They didn't want to call it IFA. Um, when English... It's International Federation of... Oh, this is... Okay. This makes sense. (laughs) This makes... Seriously, it really does. International Federation of Association Football. So, France has its own league or association that governs its league, and then England has its Premier League, and then we have whatever our miniature, you know, kid soccer called MLS. Sorry. Maybe this will be the day we just talk about how tennis could be like every other sport, which to me, soccer is so weird and confusing. I don't even know how you could keep up with it. Well, because here's how it works, though. But it's popular. Obviously, it's the number one sport in the world. Here's how we could be like them. We could fall down every time something bad happens, roll around (laughs) on the court and cry. No. Um, We are the ITF could be the FIFA because FIFA runs the World Cup, that like it's its thing, right? And it also governs behavior across all competitions and all leagues. So if you play for the U.S. and you're playing in a U.S. versus you know Italy friendly game, soccer game. And you, which I'm sure you would do, you punch one of their players in the face because <laughs> you're too slow to catch him. <laughs> then you would get in trouble through the FIFA. Right. So when you go play in your, you know, the Dallas, what's our thing again? Um, the burn? No. Sidekicks? No. It's all old <laughs> ones. FC Dallas. There you go. When you go, go to, because you also play for FC Dallas. Whatever you got in trouble for punching the guy for Italy when you were playing for America, you would suffer that penalty across all platforms. So you would suffer it in your match against, you know, right. FC Kansas City or whatever these people are called. So, and so it, it has an overarching, you know, whatever. But each, you know, the English Premier League has a different setup than the MLS. But they can sort of do their own thing. So the ITF needs to figure out a way to wrestle some power away from the ATP and the WTA and be the FIFA of tennis. Well, and what I was thinking is, imagine if tennis had you know three separate leagues. You know, you got the North American League, the European League, and the 
Asian League, and the only time that the, the the players from each league played each other was in the Grand Slams. That would make the Grand Slams way more interesting huh. than they are now. But <laughs> but nobody would watch the lo- the the local. I mean, I don't think I don't. They know. They would, yeah, they would. Well, they would in your own area. Right, it would right. be huge. Well, yeah, our league would be awful. <laughs> But the European League would be great. I beg to differ, sir. Apparently, <laughs> we finished. Don't say what I saw. I know what we you're finished. Say. Why is this your corner? No, no. But I saw we this finished stat. with eleven Americans in the top one hundred. The most in fifteen years. Yeah. So apparently, I stand corrected. This is not the weakest era. Oh wait, it proves exactly the opposite. <laughs> if we have fifteen people in the top one hundred, then the one hundred best players in the world cannot be that good. And zero in the top eight. <laughs> But, but I mean, theoretically, that does mean we're improving, I guess. But are any of those top 15 going to be top five oh, players? Oh, sorry. I've been, I've been doing this for not, maybe a year now, and I, I forgot that they can't see me shaking my head <laughs> at your dumb comment. But Well, I'm not saying that, but that's oh, what they're, that's what they're they implying. They are saying that. My bad. But I don't think any of those top 15 players are, are top 100 players or future top fives, so what does it matter? I mean, Riley Opelka is like eight feet tall, so <laughs> and um, get him some roller skates, and he's got a shot. <laughs> but yeah, I did see that stat also. Roller blades, I'm sorry. Yeah, we've had 15 women in the top 100 every year for the past 20 years. I haven't and, heard anybody talking about that. And one has been number one, so I don't know how much that matters. Yeah, it. it well, you like? I mean, listen, I've all I've envied the French. Yeah, for both their excessive use of butter. <laughs> And the fact that they had such a deep bench. So, again, it's one of those, it, it's that paradox where you ask somebody, would you rather, you know, go 0 and 15 or one, you know, 0 and 16 for tw- 10 years in a row, but then 11th year you're guaranteed a Super Bowl and then right. go 0 and 16 for the next 10 years? <laughs> or would you rather be. Anywhere from running every time. ten and six to thirteen and three, and always be having a chance. You know, well, after the fact, you have to say, well, how many did the thirteen and three team win? None. Right. Oh, then obviously, I'd rather be the one that won a Super Bowl. But beforehand, obviously, you want to be the one that's always in contention. Right. So the French, for me, have been that team where they're always in contention. Uh, they yeah, they've all, probably always got someone in the quarters. They've always got talented players that could be. And so as a fan, that's got to keep you fired up because if Monfils goes down, hey, you got Joe Willie. If he goes down, hey, you got Gasquet. Right. Uh, you know, and, and so for the so for me, I was certainly, you know, envious of, of that sort of thing. Well, I got news for you. Eleven in the top one hundred is not that. <laughs> okay, that's not the same as what the French well, especially now when you know, the players that we've talked about are that are twenty to a hundred are so much weaker. And when's the last time a player outside the top twenty made a Grand Slam semi? Probably I don't even probably been well, Chechenato, did he make the semis? No, I don't uh, think so. No. Tennis Sangren? Nope. Yeah. We had there were some that got close, but they did it once and then disappeared. Yeah. So it's not like it used to be. What did you think of since we're just throwing out random? This is a show of random <laughs> Did, what did you think of Nadal's comment, which I thought was totally stupid and pointless, but he said that there have been many Grand Slam champions greater than Dave, uh, that Ferrer is better than. Because Ferrer retired, I guess. I don't know if he officially retired, but somehow they asked Nadal about him, and he goes, well, if he was in a different era, he would have won Grand Slams. <laughs> um, and, and then said that he was better than many players who had won Grand Slams. 
Well, so what? Yeah, I'm not. That's what I mean. I don't understand what he was trying to say by that. Basically, saying don't judge him because he never won a slam. I think what he's saying is is that he listened to this to this podcast and understands, you know, our point of view and is trying to refute the fact that we say this is the weakest era because he doesn't want his Grand Slam totals to be tainted. Yeah, I mean, someone who is... You don't think that's true? Okay. He just blew (laughs) right by that. All right, never mind. (laughs) Well, someone who has consistently been number five, four, five, six in the world for 10 years, wins zero slams. Yeah, I don't know how that affects our argument, but it... uh, I don't know. I have to dive deeper into that. Well, there's been players that have done that. I mean, you know, you talk... Look at Todd Martin. I mean, he was a perennial top tenner again. And so was James Blake, not not as long. Right. See, I, I look at Todd Martin as the most underrated American tennis player of all time. Now I'm doing your nodding, silent nodding. Yeah, uh, they saw it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, well, yeah, that's true. And he made, he made one Grand Slam final, right? Yep. Yeah. At least. I think it was only and one. And Ferrer made one, I believe. Um, against Nadal in the French, maybe two, but both of them he had no chance. Right. Uh, Martin had a chance to win his. Yes, yes, but, he did. <laughs> but I don't know if that. But again, I think I understand what they're saying. If Frere was in that era, you know, he would have probably been in contention for a lot more slams. But I don't think that says anything about you know how good he is or how he's better than what we think he is or worse than what we think he is. Right. I've said that he'll probably be in the Hall of Fame because we won't have anybody else to choose from from that in the last 15 years. Yeah, and and no and nobody cannot. I mean the Hall of Fame just can't sit there and say, "Yeah, nobody was good enough." <laughs> right. Th- at this this time yeah. and then the following year. Nope, same thing. <laughs> nope. Yep. Same thing. Yeah. Or they just have a ton of writers and stuff get in. Yeah, I don't referees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy that put his arm around Kyrgios. Well, it'll be all women for 10 years, you know, and then Good. they'll just start putting, Good. Women, start putting men again. Put the patriarchy in its place. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I don't even know what... I started out by talking about how I'm recording the Steelers. Um, right, and we ended up on David Ferrer. David. <laughs> you don't get pronunciations when you don't win. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> Uh, I was watching something today and they mispronounced somebody's name. I said, that's all right. He's a backup. He doesn't deserve the oh, pronunciation in yet. football. Yeah. I, see. Uh, I see. But no, I think the, the we'll go back to the American thing because we do sound negative all the time, supposedly. But I think having 11 men in the top 100 is good. It would be nice if any of them were up and coming. <laughs> and I think about two of them are. And I think about 13 of them are fading. Well, yeah, that's well, and the ones that are up and coming, I mean, they're way down there. So how do you? That's really what I mean, know? right? It, it, a long road to go, but but could that would that could that be our new idea of uh, you know regional leagues in tennis, North American league, European league, and Asian league? Hmm. But wouldn't that? I feel like that would get even more redundant because then it would be the same. Like we say, it's the same now with everybody in the same pool. It would be even yeah, worse. Yeah, it'd be worse. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Unless it was a, like the soccer works as a round robin. Well, they kind of do that now with the challenger level. Right. You know, I mean, there's certainly more challenger tournaments in America than other levels. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the American swing is not. And a lot of the fields or the challengers are the same. Right. Like a lot of the same people over and over and over. Right. So, um, now I will say, um, 
that if that got us closer to a team league format, then I'm all for it. But ultimately, I mean, get rid of every other tournament, have the four Grand Slams, and then beyond that, just play team tennis. Right. But again, who knows? That that can never happen. That just won't ever Because happen. when you think about it, tennis is one of the few sports where we're basically just doing the same thing you know, over and over and over every week. I mean, obviously the venues are different, and luckily you have clay and hardcourt and grass, but for the most part, you're just sort repeating of. the same the same you know tournament out of 32 players the next week 28 of those 32 are going to be in the tournament again right so yeah you're gonna have different matchups in there but you're basically just repeating it repeat even golf it's a whole different course so that's a totally different situation right at least see that's that that's a great you know i guess i've had that sentiment in my head um but the fact that they're trying to homogenize all of the services making grass slower right. um it it takes away any variety we might have and you're exactly right i mean it just takes away the variety and one of the things one of the reasons i love playing golf cuz i'm horrendous i mean <laughs> horrendous i'm worse he's at, still better than me by the i'm way. worse at golf than you are at tennis <laughs> and that's bad so and he's still better at golf than i am at golf and so that's um but but the thing I like to do is I just have I'm driven to like I want to go play new courses because they're all different, right? You know exactly they're all different. Whereas like somebody said, did you play tennis when you were in Mexico? I'm like, why would I play tennis? Like it's nothing different about it. right. It's still the same court, right? You know, if it was clay, maybe or if it was grass. Like when I was in Canada, I played tennis on grass. That was great. But why am I going to go play on a hard court in some other place? It's the same as right. There's here. nothing unique about no right. That's why you know. I don't know if you remember on the tennis channel they had that that travel show where they had some smoking hot. They girl. just had. They now have some new version of it. That oh, just they? started. Well, look at that. We're I forget what that one's called. Des- was it Destination Tennis? Something like that. Yeah. And, and now how many, there's a similar one now. They didn't go look at the court and say, "All right, this court right. measures from baseline <laughs> to baseline." Exact. No, they. It was about where you were at in the resort right. in the area in the sights to see and all that kind of stuff yeah and Not, oh you can also play tennis that right was like part of that was a small part of it so that's definitely an aspect that we're missing is that i don't want to go anywhere to play it doesn't make a difference now right. i love to play tennis so i will play no matter where i'm at yeah but i'm not there's no reason to go somewhere for the purpose of playing tennis whereas i might go to pebble beach right and play because that's a world famous course blah 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 but also you know whatever or go to that course in Hawaii that's you know on volcanic rock and stuff. <laughs> well, or and one, one of those few now. one of those few articles in tennis magazine that I liked a year or two ago. They had an article just on like exotic tennis courts, and they had one that was like in a cave. They had one that was like on the top of a mountain. They had all these like crazy courts that I had never heard of. And I'm like, I was like, yeah, once you get on the court, it still would have been just tennis. But I'm like, those would have been. Like even that Monte Carlo court in that tournament overlooking the yeah yeah I mean so there are some courts but those are so few and far between whereas yeah. every golf course well, well and again what you pointed out about the court in Monte Carlo is not the court right is that it, it overlooks the azure blue of the yeah. Mediterranean and it's a stunning view yeah the court itself is always going to be the same yeah when we went out and played in California uh, we played in Santa Cruz and the courts you can see Monterey Bay from the courts. But the dumb courts are exactly the right. same. Yeah, once you play the first point, you're not really paying attention to what 
you know what the background is. Oh, I didn't coach a bit. I was just watching <laughs> watching the sights, man. Um, matter of fact, I just went on down to the beach while they were playing. I'll call you. I'll call me when you're done. Um, that's just good coaching, right? But uh, but yeah. So the destination aspect of it, it's like, oh, they have courts at this place where I want to go for a million other reasons. Right. Oh, and I can bring my rackets too if I yeah. can fit them in my suitcase. <laughs> But that's why we don't need 40 but tournaments a speedos year. Speedos don't take up a lot of room. So. <laughs> but that's why we don't need 40 tournaments a year, because it's 40 repetitions, basically. Well, listen, it, the more you give of something, the less people, the less demand there is, because you have more supply. Yeah. So I agree with you. If, if, we, could, if we could really tailor these surfaces to what they're for, I want baseliners to excel on clay and I want them to suffer on grass, and then I want hard courts to be neutral. Right. Or I, or players actually have to do what only Nadal seems to be able to do, which is actually alter their game based on what their surface is. Make some adjustments or uh, wait for the grass to get slower. <laughs> right. So that's, that's yeah, I don't care. I don't necessarily have to have a different winner on every surface, but I want to at least see you doing something different based on what surface you're on. They don't even have to do that now. Right. I want to see that contrast in game style because really that's the difference. So, so you look at Tiger Woods – and to some degree, you're looking at, wow, he really bombs the ball back when he's younger. Right. You know, so you have to tiger-proof courses by putting, you know, bends in them. And I don't know what you do to tiger-proof a <laughs> course. Um, Narrow the fairways. Put lions out there? I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, so you'd have you'd have that sort of scenario. So there's some slight differences in terms of each player's games. But you're not paying attention to that. It's like... But in tennis, they this do the is, opposite. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, that's what I was getting at, is that in tennis... That's what we need. Yeah, we need to have the variety. There's the the only variety are, that is going on are between the two players that are playing each other. So if we bring every site, every surface into alignment, then why don't we just get rid of all surfaces, make them all hard court, and just play one style of game? Right. We'll all look like Djokovic. That's the thing. In yeah. ten years, and I will, I will start coaching golf or boxing. Yeah, they're making the top four players look even better just by them able to play the same game every time. Right. Whereas, like you said, golf, they did the opposite. They're like, okay, we can't have Tiger win every tournament by 12 strokes. We've got to do something to even out the playing field. Although, I don't have a problem with him being able to... Here's the beautiful thing about golf, is that if you go to St. Andrews, it's the same course since the 20s. Right. And I mean 1820s. (laughs) What? Um, but to some degree, the technology changed because it looks way different than it did when, you know, Ben Hogan, you were using, (laughs) you know, crooked sticks, you know, with hickory shafts and stuff. So that changes it. So if you want to adjust the course based on the fact that a golf ball is not stuffed with horse hair anymore. Okay. (laughs) Now, now it makes sense. I don't want to tailor to, to, to. You know, just to beat one player, but right. the point being is, is the the difference between the players in golf, the difference between their games, is less important than the difference of the course. Whereas tennis is the exact opposite because the court obviously is exact same size, the surface differs, but not as much as it used to. So now it really matters what these players look like, and by really almost making grass almost obsolete you're taking away a big incentive for anybody to learn how to come to the net well and do you agree that the best let's say the no. best serving volleyer in the world whoever that is we yeah. don't even know who that person is but 
if the best serve Taylor in the world Dent, play, the podcast. <laughs> plays the best baseline grinder in the world on grass court, the best serve volleyer should win. Right. And that that doesn't happen. And Clay anymore. the opposite. Right. And that in hard court, yeah. you know, I mean, on hard court, it should be sort of down the middle. Right. And that's the, that's the part we've lost. Where I bet Djokovic will be the favorite in every tournament he plays this year, except for maybe the French, just because of Nadal's you know dominance at the French. Right. And maybe Federer will be Wimbledon if he's still you know doing well. But I mean, you know, we don't have that. We don't have that home in a way that they have in other sports. We don't have the you know different course. And I think it's just why do I need to watch? Like I was telling my wife um, that I watched that Strokes of Genius finally, right? And they talked to Everett Navratilova, and they played eighty times, which I I knew that already, but I, but I don't want to watch somebody play eighty times <laughs> um, unless there's a big difference at where they're playing, how they're playing, what the circumstances are. Then maybe it's interesting. But to watch the same two people play ten times a year or five times a year for fifteen years to me is not that interesting. Yeah, it, it it changes it. But at the same time, I mean, relative to an NBA final, like how many NBA finals are there? Oh, I know, once a year. <laughs> right. Whereas they can play each other in four, quote-unquote, NBA finals, in other words, in the Grand Slams. Right. So they've got four more times than, you know, for instance, a basketball or a Super Bowl. Um, but I think basketball is more relevant because they play a lot of games right. throughout the regular season. So, you know, you take a bird magic and the fact that they played each other, you know, m- multiple times, how much different would that rivalry have been if they played each other four finals in a row right. and then maybe skipped one and then played three in a row? I don't think it would have sl- changed it. Yeah. So I hear what you're saying, but if it's in a scenario in which – they legitimately fought through to get to the pinnacle of the game and then competed each other against each other. And it was certainly two players that were different styles, different backgrounds, different everything, and for a while didn't like each other. All those kind of components put together, I think it's fine. Then it then it adds to it. Now, with tennis, of course, you have the regular season – which is every week, you know, for 52 right. weeks, essentially. Yeah. And so that adds a little bit of a thing to it. But if they played each other in four finals in a row, but they were knocked down drag out to get there, and they were knocked down drag out to, to you know, to win the title, or to right. lose the title, then I don't think it matters. Then the numbers aren't, because to me, what I think you're saying, and, you know, I'm right because, you know, <laughs> um, is that, we're seeing the same old thing every week in ATP tennis because the, there's no other choice. Right. Because everything. So in other words, it's not a knockdown drag out to get there. It's well, and not, obviously, Everett never took were the two best players at the time, so that's why they played each other so often. I'm sure true. it was almost always a final. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But how hard they have to work to get there? Probably not that hard. Probably not. At least early in the tournaments, for sure. Right. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Kind of like don't know. the men's tour now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I think what I mean by that is I'd rather see those players play three times a year in the biggest stage than, you know, 10 times a year. And once is in Rotterdam and once is in, you know, uh, Madrid and then, you know, a couple times in the majors. I, I think I think you would change your tune if the season was set up in such a way 
where they're sort of circling each other at these other tournaments and then get to the big tournament and play again. And then they go. If it was a little more structured in such a way that it's not just another tournament another week, another tournament another week, this is not building towards anything. This is just a random tournament. Well, yeah, like you said, if it was a clearly different surface, for sure I would be more interested. You know, that would make it interesting to me. I would love to watch Federer and Adal play on clay tomorrow because they haven't done it in five or six years. Right. So or on a legitimate grass court, even. See, to me, that's one of those things, you know, we've talked about this, how a lot of the quote-unquote establishment, you know, of tennis is not critical of anything. Right. You know, we talked about Tennis Magazine, which is a fraud. <laughs> I mean, basically, it's not owned by the USTA, but it might as well be because the bulk of their subscriptions, you know, I think... Or gifts. I, I think they're, um, I think they're uh, around 600,000 circulation circulation has the word and i i would imagine a, a bulk of those is the usta i was gonna say you would think there'd be almost that many members of usta if not more but so you know so you take a magazine like that and nothing's critical so nothing like this will ever change um if people don't look at it and really critically analyze it because ultimately it's spread out so far and wide because it's a worldwide sport that individual tournaments are healthy. Individual tournaments make money, but you can't sustain it. And I think when the big three retire, it's going to take a big hit. Oh, that's yeah, a big hit. That's what I mean. Is they hype these Djokovic and all Federer, Djokovic, Federer. They don't understand that every time they hype those so much that they're just shooting themselves in the foot for when those guys are gone. Because we're not going to care about any other matches for the next ten years nearly as much right because of that it's like it's like you said if they brought mike tyson out of retirement you know tomorrow everybody would pay to watch his next fight probably yeah and but the problem is that's why nobody cares about the people that are fighting now because they put so much into the the people when they're on top they don't look to the future well let's finish this conversation talk about some other odds and ends and tennis has a big loss that you might not have thought about when we come back it's time to join the revolution go to our website tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes email us your questions and comments or give us show ideas Not to come back on a sad note, um, but as many of you probably have already heard, and I'm not talking about this from a political side, the side of things, but I'm talking about it just from a tennis side of things, is that we lost um, a president, maybe the only president in the last 150 years that even knew what tennis was, Right, and that was George H.W. Bush, huge tennis fan. You know, he was always at U.S. Opens and always playing, you know, pro-am type situations with, uh, you know, Chris, you know, Chris Everett, Chris Everett and ever, a lot of people, a lot of different people. I always watch that every year when they show it. Uh, and it's, it was always a lot of fun. He's terrible. Right. Or he was terrible. You know, <laughs> he versus John Lovitz. It didn't matter who the partners were. <laughs> and I will watch that 30. I'll watch that 30 minutes with more interest than I do. Whatever match is on that day. It's kind of gone downhill the last couple of years, but it's always entertaining. Well, he's, you know... And he's Texas-based, of course. Well, here's... You know, well, sort of. Uh, he is yeah. now, but yeah. So, um, 
one thing that I think I don't know if this this idea I'm going to tell you about it will contribute to what we were talking about before the break in terms of tennis sort of riding high on a false sense of security in, right. in terms of what it is. All it is is milking the big three. That's all it is yeah. right now. I feel like. I mean, I could be wrong. In different pockets around the world, the popularity might be higher for other reasons. But right. if if Federer comes to the U.S. during the U.S. Open swing and Americans would rather watch Federer than watch our 11 players in the top 100 <laughs> – and that just tells you that it's not about the tennis. Right. Uh, well, that's not true. That's not true. I mean, it can be, but it, there's, a, there's a little bit of a, a, a star factor to it that I don't think is healthy right. or sustaining. And But on the other side of that, at the risk of contradicting myself, <laughs> but I, I can be right on both sides of things, of course. <laughs> well, we're going to be right no matter what. So on the other side of the thing, and, and George Bush, George H.W. Bush uh, and his passing kind of got me to thinking about it is that if more cool people kardashian types right more pop culture people In- influencers influencers <laughs> cultural influencers <laughs> I I, uh, um played tennis or made tennis cool i wonder if that would help in america and i wonder how much it could help and and one thing that sort of brought that also into my into my head um, is so we one of our biggest episodes when we had comedian Joe List on. Um, I was in New York for the U.S. Open, and he was he's based in New York. So um, I uh, asked him to come by the hotel. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, no, and uh, in the lobby. Um, no, no hashtag me too. Um, and you know, I just did, we just recorded a little bit about you know. He, again, he's a. He's just a non-tennis business person. He's just a fan. Right. He barely plays, and really, the only the only kind of time he plays is when he comes to Texas to do a show, and I bring, I get him out to the courts right. to to work on his game a little bit. So he literally plays like two weeks out of the year, and they're usually within a couple of months of each other, and that's it. Yeah. He never plays again. So <laughs> I'm a great coach. Um, He's never lost under your coach. There we go. So anywho, um, so somebody like that who. He admits is semi-famous, but I mean he's been on TV and stuff, and he's got colleagues that have certainly been higher up in the biz. and And I came back from a comedy, um, a stand-up comedy festival in Austin, where I'd gotten out on the court with some other comedians that have been on TV. And you know, Jeff Dye is the biggest one. He was on that show with. Terry Bradshaw and yeah, better late than never. That's what it was. I love that show. Yeah. So the the comedian, the young guy, comedian host of it was one of the ones that was out on the court with me in Austin. And so I'm sitting here thinking, you know, from a, a star standpoint, I don't care about these comedians in that regard. I'm not running up trying to like rip pieces right. of their clothing off so I can sleep with them under my pillow. Um, I enjoy their work. Yeah. They make me giggle, which is what they're supposed to do, right? Um, but the reason I go out onto the court with them or try to drag them out on the court is is sort of I, I kind of don't really have a, a a real clear bead on why exactly, but I feel like in the back of my head there's a reason for it. And part of it is the fact that 
the more people I'm kind of like the Pied Piper of tennis and I think right. everybody that's in this game should be the Pied Piper of tennis so like George H.W. Bush who's out there playing pro-ams all over the place I mean people see that and they're like oh wow okay so famous people and very powerful people obviously President of the United States are doing this and so these comedians aren't the President of the United States thank God um, <laughs> but they have a higher profile than I do right and and so to expose them to tennis and try to encourage a love of the game and get them hooked to where they get really get into it, I think is is my sort of foray into trying to bolster that image of tennis. As small as that little corner of what I'm doing is, um, so I, I went I was I went to Austin to see another guy. Uh, perform he didn't come out on the court uh he i didn't get him out to the court though um but he does a podcast with the comedian joe list um and so they're buddies and you know new york based and you know he's another one he's he's you know he opened for amy schumer for pete's sakes and she's huge yeah um and so but at the same time i also look at it like does this matter if somebody who's hugely famous mentions that they play tennis or part of some reality bit they do or something right. and it shows them on the court is that real sustainable you know publicity for the game or does it matter and is it just crap i don't know well and i think it's got to matter to some degree because there's got to be a reason that every sporting event shows every celebrity that's in the audience you know that that's got to be i think it just if nothing else it makes the event seem more significant some validity to it yeah but you know tennis is really good at cultivating their audience they're not so great at bringing a new audience like you notice when the u.s open they're gonna have billy joel or they're gonna have you know patty labelle they're gonna have some hey some <laughs> talk about my patty somebody who their 50 plus audience is who they cater to wow year. first of all they're gonna have you YouTube. son of a gun <laughs> i am not 50 plus yet <laughs> On- i do i love billy joel by the way but they're gonna have you two they're gonna have they're never gonna have you know Ariana Grande or Miley Cyrus or Taylor Swift. It's going to be now. Those probably cost too much, but it's all there's. They just don't on my own. <laughs> they're going to have Celine Dion. You know that's who that. So they're no gonna, way. They're they're not having a dirty Canadian. There's no <laughs> way. This is not but ice I mean, hockey. That's the kind of people they're going to get to 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 get. And even like George Bush. I mean, he's going to cater. People see him playing. That's going to probably appeal to old white people. <laughs> He and definitely tennis, was an old white people. Tennis already has that. Yeah, we so definitely they, got the market. Well, and it, here's what the funny thing is, is we have to really emphasize the split. We should be out there emphasizing the split between the playing of country club tennis and the U.S. Open. Right. The, you know, the stodgy, you know, bump and giggle, you know, exclusive type club to everybody can play this game right. not like soccer because it's certainly not you know one ratty old soccer ball worth 58 cents and 22 people can be out there playing with you know what i mean it's like yeah it does take a little bit of structure so with tennis but it doesn't have to be expensive but the problem is to get better at it it does right that's the tricky part to really you know you can get a little better yeah but not like you can soccer right or even basketball like you're shooting you're going to figure out a way to make shots without any coaching to some degree 
you're going to get to a yeah. medium level much easier in basketball than you will in tennis. We're just so technique heavy, a lot like golf. That's yeah. the problem. But my point, so back to my point, so talking about George H.W. Bush and, and remembering seeing him playing all the time as president, and it's like, you know, is that, you know, do we want to turn it into, how do we promote to get more people in? Do we want to get into that seedy business of just, you know, any publicity is good publicity. Right. Not that teaching comedians and, and whatever, but I mean, in terms of them being part of, as much as they are, of show business, it feeds into that. Is that lasting sort of, you know, promotion? Is that lasting? Will that have right. a hold, you know, keep a hold on somebody because they're a fan of a comedian, therefore they get into tennis? I, you know, who knows? But that's... I just enjoy it. I like stand-up comedy in general, and so it's kind of fun just to get out there and and introduce those people to something that they would otherwise probably, especially living in New York, for the love of Pete, it's got to cost a pretty penny to play tennis in New York City. Well, Um, the problem is we only get that for two weeks of the year with the U.S. Open. Right. You're not getting, you know, Snapchat or Instagram posts of people, hey, I'm heading out to the Cincinnati Masters, you know, but, you know, they'll do it for the U.S. Open, partly because it's in New York, obviously. But, you know, you get it daily with Lakers games and Knicks games and, you know, Giants, you know, Eagles, Red Sox, those kind of things. Tennis doesn't have that consistent following. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, the structure in tennis is set up where people can sort of fade in and out, you know, and not really miss anything. Well, the fact that we don't have anything like a a, a construct to root for we have to root for individual human people right and you know so it's pretty easy for everybody to glom on to that one guy or girl man or woman uh that is dominant i mean there's a reason fetter is the most popular tennis player by a mile and that's because every human being that plays tennis except for Djokovic now (laughs) uh he would beat right in the world, all seven billion people. Well, and I thought you were going to say every tennis player wants to play like him. No, just Grigor. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but, so yeah, so I, you know, I, and, and again, the weird thing is, is from my, you know, court, the only thing I really influence is getting people into playing tennis. So it's, right. it's a really indirect kind of deal. As opposed to football, where it's like 90% of the people that are huge NFL fans and paint their faces colors and go streaking, tailgating and all that, they didn't play football. No. But I think, you know, our our industry is terrible at self-promotion of the industry. Like, nobody... And I, I might put myself in this category. I never send out an email or a text, say, hey, you know, check out the U.S. Open semifinal on TV tonight. And I guarantee you that other sports are doing that constantly. Well, maybe. I, well, here's the thing. I think it happens naturally with something like the NFL because there is a sense of, and this is a phrase, protect the shield. Yeah. In other words, the NFL logo, shaped like a shield, uh, you know, a lot of the rallying cry back to wh- what the league does, how it operates and all that, it's about protecting the shield not protect the Eagles, not protect the Steelers, right. not protect, we don't care about the Cowboys, but, you know, it's protect the shield. So in other words, there's something about NFL football 
inherently good. Now pick your sides once you're in on football. Yeah. We're, we're all we're all in on that. Now whatever dumb city you're from, go cheer on that squad. In tennis, we're missing that completely. And so it really is a balance between getting people to play the game and develop that love and then want to see what they do, want to see the highest level of it. And, you know, I I, th- I don't know. I think the team asked I mean, think about this. What if you had the NFL? And every year you took all, there's roughly 1,500 players. All right. right. Let's just say it's 1,500 players. And the season started in February and went <laughs> through October. And all it was was three linemen on each side, <laughs> one running back, two receivers, and a quarterback. But wait, it gets better. Each week when you played a game, now you can play more games because it's not as, and let's say it was, let's say it was flag. Yeah. So they could play more than more than one game away. So you play three games a week. And again, we're talking about Joe Montana's out there. The best, right. you know, Tom yeah. Brady, I hate to say his name. <laughs> Tom Brady's out there as quarterback. This is the elite league. So they play three times a week, but they never play on the same team. It's always a random grouping. Right, that's what I thought you were going to say. You you know, you have you pick a quarterback from all any of the 32 quarterbacks. You right. pick a center, any of the 30, a nose guard, any of the 32 nose guards. Wide receiver, wide receiver, random. Right. And now you play this game and you finish and then the next the next week, you know, that's on Monday. Right. Then on Wednesday you play another one. It's random. You know, I would definitely say it loses a lot. Yeah, because then you'd have to be, you could only be a fan of a player. You couldn't be a fan of any teams. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think... That limits us a lot. Well, what I was going to ask you is, let's say you met somebody tomorrow and they said they were going to go to the U.S. Open next year. And you, what if, if you ask them, what, what reason are you going? What do you think the top three potential answers would be? See Federer. Right. See Serena. See Nadal. Yeah. And that's the problem. Or go to New York City. Yeah. So after those three are gone in two years, why is anybody going to watch any... Uh, major tournament. All right, I'll tell you why. Well, we're going to watch it, we know. No, no, but but we're going to watch it for a reason that I'm going to try to explain on why they should watch it and how we should treat them. So, when I watch football, now I never played football. I did like pick up football and all that yeah, as a kid. me too, that was but it. I, I never played organized football. I can tell by the concussion. <laughs> so, they didn't have concussion protocol in the That's early right. 90s. <laughs> So, I uh, all right. So I watched NFL football and college uh, quite religiously. Okay, so Steelers fan. Now, just by the fact that I've been watching it for a long time, I had you know people in the home as I was growing up watching it. Males, um, predominantly. Sorry. Uh, I just did. Yeah, I'm not saying how it should be or how it was. I'm just t- telling you the facts of my life. <laughs> this is my truth. <laughs> um, and you go to the sports bar, mostly guys, because we're you know dum dums. And over the period of time, from you know say twelve, I wasn't going to bars when I was twelve, <laughs> but twelve until now, I'm 45. That's a lot of years. Yeah. And throughout those years, you talk a lot of football. 
Not once have I ever checked out from the library football for dummies. Right. Not once have I ever, you know, sat down with a coach and learned how to play a position. Not once have I ever played organized football to where I was actually instituting right. things I was being taught. But I have some level of knowledge because football is ubiquitous in America. And so there's a million pregame shows. There's a million postgame shows. You got p- former players breaking down plays and right. using jargon. And you're like, man, I could coach this stuff. Yeah. You know, and you feel like you have some level of knowledge about generally what teams should and shouldn't do against other teams and what those teams should and shouldn't do against that team. And by the way, they don't do nearly enough of that in tennis. But Would you let me get to my point? You <laughs> so, Was that your corner? No. <laughs> so the point being is, is that the average player is not being coached enough because they don't take enough lessons, which whatever, but they play, or they're not. There's not enough of that breakdown in that regard to where. Because I, I'll tell you right now, if I mean you, you tell me the most mundane men's match right now that you could think of a, a match of two top twenty players that you, the last that one I would you, not want to watch, right? Uh, Isner and any of them. I'm just kidding. I agree. Isner and someone. Uh, I agree. Well, all right, let's use Isner. Because right. ultimately, if you want to point to anybody that's boring to watch, it's a guy that's 6'10", just dropping bombs. Right. But if I sit down with somebody who is unaware of tennis in terms of just like that that sort of knowledge that I've gotten of football, even if it's not real knowledge, any depth, and it might not even be right, but... Right. At least I know how to watch a game. I know that all all the Cowboys are going to do is have a redheaded coach over there clapping, <laughs> no matter what happens, good right. or bad. Right. But I also know they have a new wide receiver that can fly. They got a, a bruising running back. They've got two good middle linebackers. Right. So I have some sense. Again, rudimentary, elementary at best. I get it, but at least I can watch with some level of sophistication and not just stare oh look they're pretty uniforms and they're running around and falling on the ground on each other right you know i can say wow those two guys in the middle the linebackers are you know not letting anyone run by them and so now i've got a point of reference i've got something to watch and i've got a a battle within the battle to to watch who's going to win or lose so take john isner if people sat down and watched his matches and really focused on, all right, here's the difference between Federer and Djokovic playing him and Nadal and anybody else playing him. You watch Vera play him. What is Vera? He tries to hit winners off his returns. Right. You know, they don't, but then you watch the subtle difference between the return of Federer, who's blocking things back deep so he can make a move over a f- good first set. So by the second set, he's dead. You know, you start. So you just take a little thing like that and now expand that. Yeah. And that knowledge, particularly in this country, is not widespread enough. We're not sophisticated enough in our knowledge of tennis, and I mainly mean you uh, <laughs> as a coach. No, but you know what I'm saying. In, individual players, they play it. Right. And you coach three, five ladies to the Nationals, I might add. At the level of what they need, you're not coaching them. You're not giving them the same information that Federer is getting from Mirka. Well, and what's funny is... That was a joke. 
You watch, by the way, did you know they played mixed doubles together in the Olympics? Fantastic. I never knew that. I didn't know mixed doubles in the Olympics, but <laughs> carry on. But like if you watch people watch a football game and let's say somebody has a 50 yard pass play and it's amazing. Well, half the people in the audience are like, what were they doing? How did they let that happen? Or, you know, you can't do that in tennis. Nobody ever does that. It's just, oh, what an amazing right. shot. They don't go, well, why did he approach to his forehand? Or why did he... I constantly you know? I constantly tell people, and you know what? I tell my players this. Why are you mad about the shot you missed? Because you ask them why they're all mad right. when they lose a point, And they're mad at the shot they just missed. Right. And I'm like, when did that shot happen? And they look at me like I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well, just right now. No, no, no. It happened four shots ago. Right. Because you did something I told you not to do, but you're an idiot, so you did it. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Players are not idiots. I'm an idiot. Everybody's great. But you're no. everybody in tennis watches for the shots. They just like, oh, what an amazing shot. And right. they're just looking for that, which is why we don't like to watch Isner, because there's never any amazing shots. It's just a serve that doesn't get returned or barely gets returned. That's why I think one of the best commentators in the business is Justin Gimmelstab. Just kidding. <laughs> Just I held my kidding. tongue on that. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to see if you look at me with your eyes all wide. Don't say his name. He's 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 out. He's out. That's right. Oh Lord, have mercy. No, no. I, well, we'll get to old Justin here in a minute. But uh, but yeah, it, the commentators do a horrific job. They do the same thing that players do. They they are stuck in yeah. the minute. When they basically cheer when somebody hits a great shot. What an amazing shot. They don't say, well, you know, that was an amazing shot because so-and-so, you know, hit the ball at the service line and it bounced it right in the strike zone and that's why he was able to hit it. Right. You know, past you for a winner. That's because they don't know. No. they. It's not that they're not smart enough to know or they're not experienced enough or have the tennis knowledge. They can't possibly be doing enough research right. on a 128 draw four times, a 64 draw however many times. You right. know what I mean? It's yeah. like... You know, so to to really get in depth in these players, you really got to see them over time, and you have to really, you know, and I, I can't imagine that commentators really can even put in that much time. Well, and what do they do before every football game? You've got, okay, look at, you know, when Jared Goff goes back, he does this that's really effective. He does this that's really effective. You know, how are they going to stop it? You never see that in a tennis match. Right. They say, you know, he's going to have to try to stop Nadal's forehand today. Well, here's like, where well, they gee, do it. Thanks. That dumb IBM crap. I know. Now, that's the worst. Now, it, it has wonderful information to be yeah. mined, data mined in there. I got it. And they put some of it up. Right. But it, it it's so tedious because they, they just rely on that and that's it. Oh, look, he held serve, you know, or he got 60% of his first serves in. You or the look. dots on where he's hitting a serve. Right. Or where, <laughs> oh, he's standing this far back for 48% of the points. He's on the baseline for 20% of the points. And he's inside of the baseline. <laughs> I don't know what adds up to 100. Yeah. <laughs> so what we need is more in-depth from commentators. Yeah. They're lacking. And now I don't know if that's because they don't have the knowledge or they don't have the time and space within a, the confines of right. You know the 20 seconds between points. But if they were to walk into a match... So, again, so use Isner for as, as, as an example. If we're about to commentate, by the way... ESPN, listen to this part. <laughs> if Corey and I were to commentate on a match, all right, that's all. That's all. You can turn it off now. <laughs> Call us, by the way, ESPN. Um, so we've got Isner playing, you know, Nisha Corey or whatever, right? right? So you've got a guy who's speedy, <laughs> if he's not hurt, um, 
a guy that can um, use some power, but he's not relative to Isner. He's not. Right. So, and then you've got a big, tall guy who's going to drop bombs. I mean, we can set up on the pregame on what we need to look for. It's pretty simple. It's right. Isner is going to rely on his serve, overpowering Nishikori to get a lot of free points, a lot of easy forehands, right. maybe finish some at the net because he did play college doubles, so he's got some experience there. And he can get some points over quicker on his serve, so he can you know rest his big dumb size forty eight shoes. Well, and but the problem is they're going to start every Nisner match with that. Well, I'm just it. using Nisner for right. example. Yeah. So then on the other side, you know they can talk about hey, let's watch for him to try and maybe go Pete Sampras style on return games and just lay back in the weeds and let's he gets a thirty love thirty fifteen lead and then maybe exert some energy and, and try it. Now we've got from his standpoint. On his serve game and his return game, we've got a point of reference for Isner to watch. And when he does those things, we can point it out. When he doesn't, we can point him out. And the rest is really irrelevant. Now, he's easy because he's got pretty much one-dimensional sort of strategy, stratagems, if you will, (laughs) uh, strategy and gems, uh, that he's got to try to follow. So then you go to the other side, you go to Nishikori, and you're like, hey, He's got to withstand the bombs on when Nishikori's turning. He's got to withstand those bombs, try to block a lot back, get get Isner into longer points right. to try to wear him down because he's not going to overpower him. He can't get it by him because the guy's got arms longer than the court. Yeah, um, He should play with two rackets. How deadly would he be? <laughs> you know, and then on Nishikori's serve game, it's, hey, you got to try to keep it you know, out of the middle of the court to where he can just take a half step and wail on returns because he doesn't need any quick return games. You want to make him play a lot of points on your return, on your serve game. You can't be afraid to play long serve games because it's going to pay off in the end. Right. And now you're just watching for these things, but they don't. And Macro's the worst. He's like the John Madden except without the Telestrator. He basically just commentates the same every match. Well, it's the same and it's all cliches. Well, and the thing about I was going to give them credit and say one a Grand Slam, things are hectic, you don't know who's going to play who, but that's a lie because they have different commentators in every court, and you know when the day starts, the three matches on your court. Right. So you got at least a six to eight hour lead time, and they've got a staff that does all this for them anyway, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. But they've got Especially a six to eight hour lead slams. time for these people that, that they should have, like you just did, a five, a two to five minute And that was nothing. Intro, right. And that was With like- no preparation. That was nothing. And, and I don't even know if I'm 100% right. In my head, I'm thinking- but we can, but it doesn't matter if I'm right right now because we're going to watch the match unfold, right? And and play off of those things. But that to me, if you want fans of pro tennis, you've got to give them something to eat. You've right. got to give them something that's that's got some minerals and vitamins, not just bird seed. Yeah, call back. <laughs> well, and if they have time in in football, to do it when they've got a commercial every five minutes and you know twenty seconds between plays, just like in tennis, they can do it in tennis. I mean. You've got enough downtime where you can replay certain situations and all that. Now, I don't need to watch the last winner from the last point. I need to watch three points ago when that strategy we talked about well, played you, out. Well, here it's listen. It's just like tennis. I mean, when did that winner get set up? Four shots back. Right. Well, your commentating is set up prior to that match, knowing what you're looking for from these right. players. And if you're not putting the work in. I don't know why. I don't know if you can. I don't know if the structure of their of their their calendar is set up to where it's even possible. Right. Maybe they don't know which match they're going to get on until literally the last second. I yeah. I don't have any idea. I'm not saying these people can't do it. 
And I'm not saying why they don't. I don't know. I don't care. Right. All I'm saying is it's not happening. The level of commentating is not helping grow our game. Not at all. I, and as a matter of fact, in some cases, not counting Gimmelstab, it it's pushing people away. Well, and they're and they're living off of two things in in the commentary: star power, number one, and of themselves. You mean? Yeah, yeah. and you know, similar but more off their accomplishments. Meaning, there, you know, back when I was in the U.S. Open final in 1982, this this has happened. Well, okay, that was cool to hear about that. But you notice they don't do that the play by play analyst thing like they do in the NFL. It's just sometimes it's two players. You know, it's Patrick right. McEnroe and you know. Never to low. They'd never be a combo, but you know what I mean. Right. It'll be two former players. Well, they do some at the U.S. Open. Yeah. You know, they'll have, uh, what's his name? Ted Robinson is about the only quality play-by-play, maybe, without Dick Enberg anymore. But for the most part, it's two analysts just talking to each other during the course of the match. Yeah, they. uh, that's one area that we're sorely missing. And, And I will say this, that I think the way our sports are set up here. And I, and again, it, this could also be the case for everywhere else. I don't know because I don't live anywhere else. But I think that could add a lot. And I think there's a potential for there to be some star power from commentators. And I don't mean tennis star. I mean, there's, there's an opportunity right now for some all-stars to come out that right. have personality, yeah. that have you know, some joie de vivre, you know, um, and who, who really are excited about the game, have enthusiasm about the game. Maybe two guys to do a podcast about the game because <laughs> uh, I think we'd bring heat if we yeah. were commentating. Um, call in if you uh, are interested. Yeah, we'll come courtside to your match. But I think Jason Goodall is one of the best. He'll do those kind of analysis pre-match, but but then during the match, he gets handcuffed probably by his partner or whoever else. Yeah, yeah. But he's done a lot of pre-match things showing why certain somebody's play works or somebody does this. That's the only um, justification I think there should be for just, you know, put it this way, pre-tape, watching, watching a match that's happened halfway across the world and we, we don't even have the option to get it live here, what they should do is have two guys come in post, yeah. you know, and do the commentating as if it's live having already seen it right then you can really do a bang-up job and and it'll come off and i'm not saying deceive p i'm not trying to yeah you know like Like, oh i bet he might double fault here he's in a tough situation uh, like that old quiz show you remember that movie quiz show where (laughs) Uh they they fraudulently whatever i'm not talking about like that at all but i'm just talking about you know having all the the video the technology set up even well, that, but also being able to dig into that match and really make it clear to maybe that's a good tennis channel show, right? You pick any random match, and you know they have a show called Ninety and Thirty or something yeah, like that uh-huh. uh, for soccer, ninety minutes because they play right. ninety minutes, and then they just condense it down to thirty, and they you know they kind of skip all the slow stuff. When Kobe's doing something like that with the NBA or he's doing like delving into a specific game or something. Yeah, I mean that'd be a great show where they they cut out all the all the bouncing so Djokovic would like bounce <laughs> bounce once and the faults, take out all the faults. Yeah, all the faults and all the aces. Yeah. Cuz those don't matter. Well, like when Nishikori beat Federer, that would be a great match to go, okay, he's never beaten him before. What how did he do it? Right. Let's go back and look at that in a half hour show. Right. And but you know it, it'd be hard to get current players to 
add their comments to things, but right. you might be able to, depending on the player. Well, and you wouldn't even need that necessarily. I mean, yeah, that's true. I that'd mean, be a, but that'd be a. It would great, be great to have it. That would be astounding to have, right? And somebody like, you know, I don't know who would be great at it besides us. <laughs> um, but no, you're totally right. That would be a great. You know, how to look at the biggest upsets of the year, but don't just show a highlight for 30 seconds to show it like actually show why right. replay the match right and if there was a commentary s- overlaid on it yeah if there new. was a serve game that was you know three aces and a service winner right then just say you know we're at two all we're going to skip to two four because you know the two three game was decided by fetter hitting three aces and a service winner so right. big deal uh whatever so you can cut it down like you do those football games where totally. it's like boop 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 but then go through it as if you're a commentator with some actual whatever. Yeah. Here we are, man, saving tennis. <laughs> I'll tell you who's not saving tennis. <laughs> Holy hell. Actually, maybe he is saving tennis by getting out of it. <laughs> Justin Gimmelstab, who apparently a lot of people didn't like, but I think it was just because he was another white American. Um, I don't know if maybe he's they knew. sexist or racist. Like Before all this, I don't have any, any clue, but apparently he's a monster. So... Um, I don't. He's refuting things, obviously, but I read something on the interwebs about what was the story that you heard. Well, well, okay. So, well, the well, just now, as I'm, I'm kind of, you know, waiting on you to get here. Um, <laughs> I was just reading some stuff, and I guess somebody came out and said um, that he he um, got in a fight during a paddle tennis game. Or whatever he was playing like doubles or whatever right. with three other guys, and maybe he was just mad because he was playing paddle tennis. <laughs> but that's not why he took a is taking a leave of absence, is it? Right? No, no, no. Okay. So, but what, well, they just did that. They just added that because now he's probably under a microscope. Exactly. So, uh, no, he was recently arrested, and this is coming from Deadline dot com. Um, that he was uh, being sidelined, is a quote from them, being, is being sidelined in the wake of a recent f- arrest on felony battery charges. I guess he bought a Tesla? No. <laughs> uh, and an expose in the Telegraph listing a string of alleged assaults by the former tennis pro over the past three years. Okay, I didn't know about all that. So apparently he's just, just one time. He's just causing all kinds of trouble. Hmm. So... Um, so that, so he in this day and age that as we saw with Kareem Hunt it doesn't take long to for that stuff to right. not be tolerated except by the Redskins <laughs> they just signed some felon uh, maybe Gimel so, could be the Redskins now he was arrested for allegedly attacking his former friend a dude not right. it wasn't like a domestic abuse situation I don't yeah. think um, so anywho so yeah so of course he's probably going to come back and say that uh, yeah he was dehydrated and <laughs> but tennis that's known to be you know gentlemanly and that kind of thing i don't know that that's i don't know that we're ever going to see him again yeah and he was positioned to do you know like he's super involved with the atp and their board and all that kind of stuff and it's all down the toilet yeah which i'm indifferent on him particularly like i, I it wasn't like he was going to save tennis or something right or save American tennis, but if he did all that stuff, then he's a bum. Well, you know what annoyed me the most about him? Uh, obviously, until now, I've got other reasons. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I, I would think this. There. <laughs> um, he had that encyclopedic, you know, memory about his matches 
why could he never apply that to his commentary? Right. Like, okay, this guy's serving 1530. Well, remember, you know, three at earlier in the set when he was serving at 1530, he did this, sir. Like, how come that could never, like, if he could have applied that to his commentary, that would have been incredible. Like, oh, the last time he was down break point, he served an ace out wide. I bet you remembers who he punches. <laughs> um, yeah, it was 12.15 in the evening. You know, I punched him with my left uh, jab. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I always thought that was, it frustrated me because I didn't want to hear about his match from 1997 when he was serving at 4-5 in the third set. I wanted to hear. In 150 in the world. Right. I wanted to hear about something that, that applied to now. And again, I'm all for, listen, I'm all for due process and I'm all for innocent until proven guilty, but uh, you ain't got to be commentating and doing nonsense while all this is going on. No. Because it seems Well, and it sounds incredible. like he almost waited till the season was over because, I mean, if it's a string of things, he they obviously, somebody had to know that stuff had happened before this. Right. Who knows? But now that the season's over, he's hoping he can clear it up in the next three months and right. just start anew in the 2019 well, all I can tell you is that's a, a perfect example of what I was talking about earlier. Is any publicity good publicity? Because that will probably be in some news. I think I might have seen it on ESPN at some point. Yeah, I think so. And that ain't good. <laughs> so well, and it, and do you also have a big problem with this, like I do? That ESPN will never talk about stories that if, that involve their people. And like, I'd never saw this on tennis channel. Maybe it was on tennis channel at some point, but I know originally I never saw it on there. Right. And to me, if you're going to be the source of information for something, you've got to be the source of information, whether it's negative or positive. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, they don't care. ESPN doesn't care. They're, you know, they, that that's such a big corporate situation now that they've right. got a lot more, things pushing down on them that hold their you know that kind of yeah tie their hand so to speak but i mean it wouldn't be that hard to say you know justin gimbal gimbal stop is taking leave of absence that would that could be leave it at that right oh yeah yeah like tennis channel could say yeah. that yeah yeah you yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. to get into the details of why and all that but at least because that's a factual statement right you know? now i will say it ain't none of my business i don't know the guy i don't know anybody that he allegedly assaulted um Assaults go on all over the country, all around the world, all the time, and I don't get invested in any of those. I don't want any any of them to happen, obviously, but my point is, the silver lining is, hey, I don't have to hear him commentate anymore. (laughs) Now, again, I don't condone his actions, but I I don't know him. It's got nothing to do with me. So my side benefit is, I, I don't have to see his dumb face anymore. Well, and let me ask another question since we're at the year end. Um, what do you think the tennis channels should show in December? Because right now they're showing every match from the every tournament they've shown all year long, and it's just kind of... I think they should show a uh, picture of a fireplace going <laughs> with Christmas music underneath. <laughs> what should they well, be one showing? Year they did, one year they uh, did best matches. Well, I can't remember if it was that year or ever. And I actually thought that was kind of cool. They counted down like one match a day for, I want to say it was best matches ever. Or it had to be the last 20 years or something. Well, I definitely think a recap of the best matches this year would be fine. Right. And just do pick one a night, prime time. Yeah. You know, I, that, but so far they're just picking random finals to show. And one day it's and know, some clay of them court. Aren't good. No. Yeah. It's just star power. Yeah. They should do it chronologically. Um, 
Well, they can if they're doing the best. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, the best matches would be good. Um, and to be honest with you, I I like the idea of showing all these low level tournaments. These, yeah, you know, eighty k and you know, right. what they do with the women's tournaments. And well, I guess know. that was my question. Would you rather see live tennis, lower level, or best of the year? Both. I mean, they yeah. have twenty four hours. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, they don't. They yeah, they've got those Ronco commercials like and eight hours. Yeah, but you know, but yeah, they've got room for both. Yeah, uh, they should definitely have uh, have both. I'll tell you who does it way better than Tennis Channel does it. Golf Channel. Yeah, what do they show? I, I I don't know. I don't watch it. But no, 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 no. Uh, they have a sports center esque type show every morning. Okay. So like a a little panel, like there's even like right now when the year's yeah, over. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Um, and really, you know, they could just do our podcast every morning. Right. Do you want to do this every morning? Oh my god. We can record it the night before. If we had a staff. <laughs> yeah. This would be great. I think we're I think we're two brilliant tennis minds. Yeah, we just don't do any work. Right. Just think if we had a staff. <laughs> Seriously, we yeah. dominate. Uh, so commentating and get us a staff, and we will skyrocket. Yeah. Uh, but it's hard to skyrocket upon the millions of fans we already have. <laughs> Speaking of millions of fans, yeah. I've got some big news. Uh oh. I think I'm going to do. We are going to. I don't know why you're the pocket. <laughs> I don't know why this is news to you. Um, we're going to do a giveaway. Oh, really? And it's going to involve Twitter. And it's right. going to involve retweeting or something. So I'm going to tweet out you know, an episode or something and whatever. I'll tweet out the rules or I'll tweet out <laughs> the whatever to people that follow Twitter. So I'm going to give you some time after hearing this. If you've made it to the end of this podcast... First of all, congratulations. <laughs> it was a tough one after getting through some boxing, some right. gimbal stops. You know, we gave um, you a variety today. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I'm thinking about one of those drawstring bags. Okay. With our logo on it. Nice. Not bad. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. I mean, those are like 12 bucks. Right. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I have, I have no idea. Why'd you agree with me? <laughs> now, the knockoff brand we're going to get isn't 12 bucks. Right. But like a Nike or an Under Armour would be 12 or 15 bucks. Oh, yeah. They're not so if you want to iron on a Nike logo and call it 15, <laughs> do it. That's up to you. I'm not going to judge. But ours is going to be a knockoff brand, but it's going to have our logo on it. Which is worth more than the brand name. I would agree completely. Guess what? No children made ours for oh, well, a dollar a don't month. Don't promise that. You don't know that yet. Well, Unless it, you're going to hand make it. Good point. My, my, <laughs> my point is, it's not our... I'm talking about our logo. Right. Like oh, yeah, yeah. Once we have the bag. Right. Um. So anyway, what I'm getting at is Nike abuses children around the world <laughs> is what I'm getting at. Right. All it's right? not going to be Nike. Exactly. That And that's why. I'm going to call it that. Not yeah. that I don't want to pay 15 bucks for it. But anyway, so we're, we're going to have one with our logo on it. It's probably going to have something to do with you retweeting it. Not you, because you right. don't have Twitter, you no. dumb dumb. Actually, I think that's where I think you're going to have to send out the tweet. <laughs> so every fan Is out that your there, way to not give out a prize. <laughs> no, it's my way to, to hopefully browbeat you into getting right. Twitter. Um, I, I don't think dumbass.com is taking it to, at dumbass <laughs> on Twitter. I bet it is. At 20 minutes late every single day. I would love to have that name if it's not taken. I know. I'm going to look for it right (laughs) now. I would lose all my credibility (laughs) in any post I had, which would be be perfect. Great. Yeah. So, anywho. um, So, yeah. So, we're going to be giving away a drawstring bag with our logo, with a Tennis Revolution podcast logo on it. Uh, And it's going to have the winner will be chosen from people that retweet a particular tweet I send out. 
Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know what it all means, and I don't know how it all works. I'm going to have to get somebody who knows how to use You're Twitter. You're just going to make it like a race, the first person that retweets it? No, no. Oh. I, I think I'll just take everybody that retweets it and pick randomly oh, okay. from that group. I see. And maybe there'll be more than one. Let's get crazy. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, how's that sound? Does that sound exciting enough for you to get a Twitter? Um. Oh, well, I'm not going to be eligible to win the prize, so... I don't know if it's worth it for me. Well, you're not getting a bag any other way, you cheat. <laughs> so, well, anyway, no, 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 but it, wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it just be fun to follow the the traje- tra- trajectory, that's a word, <laughs> uh, of this whole process and how many retweets we get and all yeah. that? Wouldn't that be fun? Absolutely. We'll see. So, anywho, but Twitter, Twitter is lagging far, far behind our number of listeners. I don't know if it's because nobody cares about Twitter. Now, this same thing, I don't know how to do it on Facebook at all, but that's why I'm going to do it on Twitter. It's kind of more well, they can, Yeah, they can share on Facebook, but I don't. I think it does notify you if someone shares your post. I don't know. I'm so, we're going to do it on Twitter. But that's nobody, yeah, people do it way more on Twitter than they do on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook is dead. Long live Twitter. <laughs> all right, well, you got anything? You got a corner today? I do have a corner oh, today. Oh, my God. I'm Get keeping you here. It. And we're gonna, you're going to miss the whole first half, so how, you better record How is the longest podcast... <laughs> of the year <laughs> when we have nothing to talk about um this is going to come out of left field but i know you'll have some comments on it so, baseball sweet so this week the year-end usta ratings came out so everybody gets their new ratings or keeps the same ratings is in their ntrp right ntrp and what i just want to say is that this we already know this but the rating system is a complete farce and it's completely pointless so what I want to talk about is the two solutions they've got to have. Either get rid of the ratings altogether. Well, first of all, tell me how it's a farce. What happened? Did you get rated? <laughs> I didn't get moved down, so that's how you know it's a farce. Yes. Um, no, I, I don't mean that the results of the ratings that came out were a farce. I just mean the whole process is that is a farce because everybody knows when the ratings come out. They manipulate the results to get whatever rating they want. Right. And so the rating system is completely inaccurate and fraudulent because when somebody loses on purpose, then it affects your rating if you're playing them. Right. So then you have the wrong rating and they have the wrong rating. So the rating system, people get moved down that shouldn't be. People get moved up that shouldn't be. It, it basically defeats the purpose of having a rating system, number one. And number two, I've determined that after years of thinking about what the solutions are, I've decided on just one solution, which I think we've mentioned before, is that they should have no state or national championships. Just make it a local league and that's it. And then people are going to just the people are going to have one goal to play, which is competitive tennis, right? Competitive meaning evenly matched tennis, right? And once you do that, then it doesn't really matter what the ratings are. Yeah, because and you just make it where let's say you have twenty teams. Well, the top three teams that that won move up to the next level, the entire team, right? And that's it. And then you're done for the next season, well, unless the number. Th- Four sing- what is it? Three and two? Three three doubles, two singles. Yeah. Oh, okay, so the number two singles player loses every single match, and the team wins four one. Then maybe don't, <laughs> maybe don't move her. Up. Well, that's the way they do it now. But that's the problem is you got people. Sometimes those people that lose are losing on purpose. Because, they tank because they know the team's right. The win. team's already won, I so see. let me lose my. That's the problem. I see. So my thing is, if you were good enough to be on a team that won the league or finished top three, then you can move up. And if you don't want to move up, then you shouldn't have been on that team. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Hmm. But. You know, that's just, I just think that having these ratings where we're all gathering around our computer the night of the raid, this happens every year. And it's like one player, I had a player get moved up that was one and two, their record. They've played three USTA matches their entire life. They were one and two and they got moved up. 
Wow. And then I've got players Congratulations that were, <laughs> on your success. Yeah, and I've got players that were, At you this know, rate, by, this, <laughs> by next June, you'll be on the WTA tour. Yeah, and I've got players that were, you know, 14 and 4 that didn't get moved up. So it's just, that's what I mean. It's not, it's a completely fraudulent system. So at this point, why even have and it? All, and 90% of the fraud is based on trying to get to the next level of the tournament. Right. So the national, the sectional championship, yeah. the national. Everybody stays Because you'd still have ladies that would want a sandbag to be the best player in their league. Right. Well, because I got three or four calls and texts a day or two before the ratings came out saying, hey, you know, if you get moved down, do you want to be on my team? We're going to go to this or we're going to go to that. It's never, hey, do you want to be on my team so we have a lot of fun and play good matches? It's because right. we're going to go to this or that. And it's like you have so people actively root to get moved down, <laughs> which defeats the whole purpose of a sport. Right. Uh, when you have more people rooting to get moved down than moved up, I think that's a that's an inherent flaw in your system. Yeah, I agree. And I, we love we both love the UTR system where if you win the tournament, you move up the next tournament. You're a higher level. Not necessarily works that way, but you know what I mean. Well, every single match, it happens on a weekly. Like, right. Every result can affect it. Yeah, whereas we have players in USTA that will dominate for 51 weeks until they finally get moved up in the 52nd week. I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. Whereas UTR, you dominate one tournament, you're gone. You're not playing people like that again in the next tournament. Right. So that's, you know. Burn it all down. <laughs> Burn USTA to the ground. And I think they're, you know. They're, not literally, please. <laughs> there are other minor, you know, solutions I've come up with over the years. But to me, that's the only thing that's just going to completely. Take the motivation away. It. Right. Yeah. Take yeah. the motivation way to do it, and then maybe that the numbers just skyrocket for two years because people are actually getting good tennis matches every week instead of at only at sectionals or nationals. Yeah, because that's always a selling point. Oh, well, well, you're going to get tough matches at state. Are your not just the team that you took in nationals, but all of your teams, right? All your players individually, do they want to play, and and are they okay losing? You know. Four six six four seven, you know seven five or whatever. You know what right. I mean? Like, I have never had, and I'm not saying this to act like I'm a saint, but I have never had a player lose on purpose that I know of. Just to maintain but I'm saying, the rating. your players are happy playing these tight matches. Oh yeah, win or lose. That's what they most players I want. have would rather play a match like that than than win. You know, six one six one. Right against somebody who shouldn't be in that. Right. Level. Everybody would rather win, of course, well, over yeah, lose, obviously. but. Yeah. They'd rather, to me, getting a good match is first. That should be first. But that's the problem is winning is taken over as the primary goal and then getting a good match. Everybody gets a trophy. It's become second. So, you know, and, you know, everybody goes in cycles. I think some people, they lose for a while and they realize, okay, it's really not fun to go out and kill my opponent, you know, eight weeks in a row just to get one good weekend of tennis. Right. So that's the level I've, you know, reached a long time ago, but some people never do. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And very prevalent because, again, we talked about the distinction between people that play tennis and people that watch tennis, and sometimes they're not the same people. And so this is a pretty a pretty significant group of people that play, you know, like women's leagues right. where the bulk of their experience in terms of, you know, how they are in our game, it's they play. Well, here's a scenario I always compare it to, a little bit different than this, but I usually compare it to NFL, but we always do NFL comparisons. But let's say they did the ATP Next Gen, top eight players in the world play. Well, let's say that I'm number eight going into the last week of qualifying and I go out and lose my first round match on purpose and I drop down to number nine so I can be in the 
the not that I said next gen, but the year the, end masters. I mean, the Nito. And let's say that there's an also a year. So in other end. words, Vera. Let's take Vera for an example. Right. He's sitting at eight. Yeah. And if he loses the uh, tournament in Paris, first round, he drops down to nine. Right. And so now he can go play the next gen. Well, yeah, and exactly. dominate it. And so let the, he imagine him lose. Imagine how much he would be lambasted online uh, for losing on purpose. Right. And that's what people are doing in our league weekly. Um, yeah. And that's just the thing that drives me crazy. I just I can't equate a competitive sport and losing on purpose. Right. And that's where we sort of, you know, it's recreation, but it's still competitive. It's rec, you know, it's the right. rec side of the sports, but it's still you want to compete. Part but, would, of the, but would anyone congratulate him for winning the lower tournament? I, I, I can't imagine, but people do it in our not you know, if he, area constantly. Right. They exactly. do, oh, my gosh, you went to nationals? That's amazing. Well, you're not that level. <laughs> so why is so it amazing? Really, they should only have nationals for 5 and above. Right. And the prize you get for winning 3-5 is you get to move up to 4 Right. Yeah, and that's it. And I would have no problem with that. You 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 did it once and you're done. That should right. be it. We we had our one trip to nationals and that was it. We didn't win. Well, we're moving up next time. Sorry. That was our one opportunity. Yeah. But they won't do it cuz they want to have that carrot out there for everybody to be going after and but I think they're losing more players by having that than they are, you know, gaining players. Well, the good news is across the country there's a lot more leagues than just USTA leagues. So, yeah. and those do stay local. They do, that USC is the only league that goes beyond local that I'm aware of. Right. At least here it is. Yeah. So hopefully. And that's why all the other leagues here are bigger than USTA. They are. Yeah. And I think that's probably the case a lot of places. If if it's not, USTA, please call in. <laughs> all right. Well, that was a surprisingly good co- Corey's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> I love your faith in me. <laughs> Really motivates uh, me to get a corner every week. Listen to me. Uh, I thought of this corner idea because I talk too much. That's right. I am aware of the flaw. Yeah. I can't stop it. No. But I'm aware of the flaw. I kept my mouth shut for a good portion of that corner. You did. Yay me. <laughs> I'm taking credit even for your stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, again, if you are not on Twitter, get a Twitter handle and then follow. That's the key. I don't think you can retweet something if you're not following yeah you have to yeah that's the key i think you can retweet something if you're not following yeah i don't know you, how I would, would assume you, you could how be able- would you you're not even on this dumb <laughs> thing unbelievable so well i don't think you should be able to see someone's post unless you follow them but i guess you i don't think you should be able to see comments because comments are where all the trouble comes from right because it you say post to comment you mean no well yeah whatever either way because if i don't follow you why should i be allowed to comment on your page exactly so follow at Tennis Rev Pod on Twitter and uh we'll give it a week or two to try to, you know, get more enough more more people um to do this retweet contest. And right now we're sitting at hundred and eighty six followers. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good enough. Come on, people. Um so anywho, so yeah, so follow us and then I'll tweet out about this contest. And then, um, and then everybody that follows will retweet, and then I will pick a random winner from the retweeters. Is that a thing? That's got to be. So, um, and then I will, I guess, somehow have to get your address, or maybe I'll just have it airdropped in the just general vicinity of your city, and you have to go find it. I don't know how we're going to get it to you because <laughs> I really don't know want to know these people. I was going to say, you know, you're going to have somebody from Norway that wins or somewhere, you know. Some place would have cost you twenty five dollars to ship it. 
Yeah. You might have to be uh, American only. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. Or if I do ship it internationally, it just may, might take nine years to get there. <laughs> so who knows? You got to come pick it up from our studio. No, I don't <laughs> want these people to know where I'm at. I'm crazy. So uh, picket lines outside. So this is just a small way of me saying thank you. And Corey's doing nothing. He didn't even think of this idea because he doesn't care about y'all. No, I do though. Um, if he cared about you, he'd be on time. <laughs> Um, that comes out the same time for them, no matter what. That's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> Damn it. You got me on that one. So anyway, so follow us on Twitter um, if you want a, a chance to win this fantastic gift, uh, ten, at Tennis Rev Pod. Now, you're not going to get a free gift for following us on Instagram, but doggone <laughs> it, I think you might get something even better. And that is the absolute joy of knowing that you will never once receive anything of a picture variety from this Instagram account. Tennis Revolution Pod on Instagram. Follow it. Still still holding steady at 113. Not good enough. <laughs> this day and age, that's the only gift I want. After all this Black Friday and no Cyber Monday emails, kidding. I want silence from Just anyone l- online. Leave me be. Yes. Uh, but of course you won't turn your phone off, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) So follow us on Instagram for no particular reason. And most importantly, if you're going to retweet something, damn it, retweet our episodes, get those to all your friends, all your fans. If you have followers on Twitter, um, good for you. Tell me how to get more. Pass them on to boxing and soccer fans this week. Yeah, definitely. We definitely got some soccer and boxing talking there, but yeah, pass this podcast on to as many people as you can. I know it's tough. During this time of the year, because nobody cares about tennis right now, this is the absolute winter doldrums of tennis. Believe me, you can tell by this podcast you just <laughs> listened to. So, uh, yeah, get it out there. Share our links to the episodes. Make sure you subscribe, for Pete's sakes. That's the easiest way, because then that's less work for me. If it automatically downloads, I have to do nothing to get you to download if you just subscribe automatically. It's really wonderful for me, and I'd appreciate it. So, All right, anything else? That's it fantastic um all right well i think i think we're going to trudge through the snow next week again <laughs> and uh and uh, do another podcast regardless of the winter we're going all year round here people for right. you. we appreciate you listening and until next time thanks for joining the revolution bye guys patty labelle <laughs>